Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nesting, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we don't know what we're doing. Wait, what? We? Why would you come out and say that, Dan? <laughs> You're going to deprive the listeners of all confidence in us. <laughs> but listen, we have a special guest here who may have a plan to build a deck with us. Ooh. It's Tim. Hey there. From the I've Got a Plan podcast. Hey, I have no confidence in you guys, so we're all in good company. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Savage. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited about this. We're uh, we're doing a topic that I love tonight. Perfect. So we're excited. We wanted to kind of get to know you first. Tim, tell us about yourself. Who are you and what got you into Arkham Horror, the card game? And how did you decide to start doing a podcast about it? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, sure. So, uh, so anyway, my, yeah, my name is Tim Fiscus. I'm a longtime gamer. I, I'm, uh, I'm in my, uh, four, late forties and, uh, I've been playing the Arkham Files game since back Arkham Horror first edition, which is a game that not many people have probably played. Ooh. Wow. And I have been a big Arkham Files guy essentially my entire life. My wife and I did, um, custom investigators for our save the dates for our wedding. So. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. We like had all of our family, fa- all of our family members were uh, custom investigators. It was a lot of fun. We gave everybody special abilities based on like the kinds of like personality quirks they have. And so it was totally fun. So yeah, so I've been a long time gamer. I'm uh, really a, uh, mostly a board gamer. Uh, I played some card games, uh, but really mostly board games. This is kind of the biggest card game other than magic that I've ever really seriously gotten into. And I played some Lord of the Rings, uh, which I love, uh, but I didn't play it quite as much because it kind of required you to build a deck for the scenario rather than just kind of experiencing the story through one deck. So I dived really hard into um, Arkham Horror right after it came out, Arkham Horror card game right after it came out, like a first core set. I bought a couple core sets and then I just bought a pack every time it came out. And then I realized I was playing this game probably, you know, with my wife or by myself, probably six, seven times a week. And I was like, I probably should like do something about this. And I was listening to uh, to you guys and uh, Drawn to the Flame and Mythos Busters and uh, Arkham Central. And uh, I did some audio books for Arkham Audio. I don't know if you guys know about that or not. Is it people like reading the Lovecraft stories or reading like other fiction or what, what is it like? Yes. Yeah, so it started off just, and I think actually that where we are right now is we're reading through the Investigators of Arkham book, uh, which has like kind of like mini stories about each of the investigators. And I did um, episodes for William Yorick and uh, Calvin and Jim, and my wife did an uh, audio episode because she's also an actor. Uh, did an episode on Jenny, so she did a uh, did a Jenny pod, uh, audio book. Wonderful. Yeah. So I started this podcast because I wanted to kind of just you know ha- turn the camera on while I was playing and see if people could learn something from what I was doing since I had played hundreds and hundreds of times, and that's kind of where it went. I think it was kind of similar for us where it was like, look, we're, we're all adults. We're all busy. If we're just here playing games, that's one thing. But if we can say we're playing games because we have this like project that we're doing around it, <laughs> then you know, it becomes kind of like a more realistic thing to fit into your schedule and stuff. Right. Cause it's like, Oh, I have responsibilities. Exactly. Now. Yes. Right. It's a job. It's a job. I have to do it. Right. 
Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm also, uh, it's very cool to hear that, that, that you're an actor. Uh, I know for us, Ben is usually the guy that reads all of the, uh, story text when, when we play and he has, uh, I do so impeccably. He has a small, but impressive range of, uh, of voices carried over <laughs> from his dungeon mastering days of, uh, you know, accents and, uh, nice. characters and such. So maybe, maybe you can work with him a little on the side and help him develop his kind of, uh, performative, you know, chops. I don't know. Yeah. I think it, I think that needs to feature on your show a lot more often. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll try to work something in. We'll we'll open each episode with a little uh in media res uh I don't know, something. We'll we'll think about it. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> maybe that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Maybe you'll instill some plans in us today. But as far as today goes, I see what you did there. <laughs> you have a plan and today we're going to build a deck. Yes. And uh, th- there was one particular investigator that we we approached you and asked if you'd be interested in, in doing a kind of a deck building episode about this investigator. Which investigator are we talking about today? We're going to build an investigator that is essentially just, you know, uh, easy to build, easy to play, a l- low, low skill <laughs> investigator for the new player to the game. Calvin Wright. Perfect. <laughs> the Haunted. Yes. The man himself. The formerly cursed, right? I know you've played Calvin in some of your um in some of your I've Got a Plan uh campaigns before. Would you say Calvin is your favorite investigator or one of your favorites? Well, uh, probably top three with with uh Jim uh is my number one. Jim's yeah. my number one favorite investigator. Calvin's number t- number two. And I I think right now I would probably have to say if I if my feet were held to the fire, I would probably say Diana is number three. But I like Tony a lot too, so that's a that's a tough call. I uh, streamed an episode with uh, the Whisper in Darkness, uh, the man from Lang, last week as Tony, and we had a great time. Nice, nice. But Calvin is the one I've probably played the most. I've played. I as soon as I started playing him, I was like, oh yeah, this guy's my jam. I like this a lot. <laughs> uh, I'm always a sucker for the underdog. Is that largely what makes Calvin appeal to you? Is his sort of like starting out as an underdog, uh-huh. or is it sort of like the unique card choices, or what is it about Calvin that really makes makes him one of your favorite investigators? I really like the the fact that he you approach the game completely differently as Calvin. You don't you don't try to it's not about defensiveness. Uh it's uh, you you don't even almost care about the mythos uh cards. You almost don't care about the encounter deck at all until you do. And then you really do. <laughs> Attention listeners. This is your editor speaking. In the remainder of the podcast, you will sometimes hear chirping and squeaking sounds while our guest is speaking. Those sounds come from a bird that lives in Tim's house. The bird's name is Flynn. That is all. And now, back to the show. And so you get to walk this knife edge with Calvin where you're trying to push and push and push as hard as you can to get up to where you're almost dead, but not quite dead. And you can really like, uh, uh, it makes for a lot of excitement in games, I think. Uh, but you can't play him like your standard investigator. You just can't do it. It makes him a really interesting teammate. Now I have full disclosure, never played Calvin solo. I, I have, I don't have any experience with that at all. I mean, meaning like just Calvin all by himself in a, in a scenario. Sure. And I think that you would build, you would build him differently as a solo investigator because obviously. He starts off as a blank slate, literally zeros all the way across the board. Mm. So you can go any way you want to go with him. Uh, obviously, the uh, the survivor deck pool pushes you, uh, you know, one way versus another. But he has access now to spirit cards, which now that keeps growing. We keep getting more and more spirit cards right. that kind of allow him to branch out a little yeah, I bit. I think Matt Newman just yeah. slaps the word spirit on one card per <laughs> for this pack. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Keep doing it, please. <laughs> I, I think there's definitely some, some Calvin aficionados on the, uh, the car design team at FFG probably. But, uh, yeah. And it's funny what you said about kind of like riding that like razor's edge of like being about to die. And that's when you're the most powerful. It really feels like, um, yes. I think that all these like Arkham Files games, the co-op games, they're really at their best when they do a good job of always making you feel like you're about to lose. And then you either narrowly lose or narrowly win. Mm-hmm. Right. Like even going back to like Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror, all those games. So I think Calvin actually is like a really good kind of uh, reflection of that in the form of an investigator. Right. Well, they were really smart about how they released him, too, because he had come out, you know, right about the time when the game was sort of settling into this tra- trauma is just bad. It's just bad. You need to always avoid trauma. You know, the worst thing they can do to you as a design in a scenario is make you have trauma. <laughs> and so when, when, the, when the Forgotten Age came out and after the first couple scenarios, there was an interlude and it was just like, Oh yeah, take a couple trauma. Yep. Yeah. Sorry guys. <laughs> and everybody was like, what? That's unfair. That's disastrous. And so, uh, it was a great time because then you could say, Oh, cause I don't know if you remember this or not, but when Calvin was first announced by FFG, it was widely considered a hoax. Oh yeah. Oh, we yeah. it was announced on April Fools and we definitely uh uh-huh. we definitely <laughs> thought that it was like maybe an April Fools character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so there was like a hearty argument about no, this guy could be good and everybody's like what are you <laughs> oh, talking yeah. about? That is there's no way he could be good cuz Preston wasn't out yet, right? So you hadn't had any experience with just generally low stats. We had Lola out as the previous uh confusing <laughs> Using, right. How could this possibly be a good character? Right. Uh, and this is the second one. Yeah, the difference is that Lola actually isn't good. Like Calvin is. But but Lola, on the other hand, doesn't start with zeros and everything. So initially looking at her isn't as much of a, like, what that the, is a good what the is going on as with Calvin. Right? Yeah. Right? yeah. As a player who really loves underdogs, I do play a lot of Lola. And in fact, I have a lot of Lola videos out right now on my channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I love playing Lola. But again, I don't think she's that great. I just think she's fun. Yeah. So... Just before we get into the discussion about the deck, do you want to kind of just illustrate mm-hmm. who Calvin is, what he does in the game? Um, so we already kind of went over, he has zeros in all his stats when he begins, maybe just kind of give some, uh, kind of iterate his points to people who might not be familiar with Calvin? Sure. So yeah, so Calvin is a uh, survivor investigator. He has, uh, his stats are zero, 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 and zero. That's right. He's, <laughs> he adds up to zero. Uh, now, for the, most investigators, add up to 12. So he's, you know, he's a little bit behind at the beginning. Uh, but don't worry, it's made up for it with his excellent six health and six sanity, <laughs> which are also on the, on the low end for, for that as well. So essentially, without his special ability, uh, you know, Calvin is essentially like worse than Duke. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, w- way worse than Duke. So yeah. Calvin, Calvin's, uh, special thing is that, uh, he, gains power and strength by taking damage. And so if he takes damage, he gets stronger and more agile. And if he takes horror, he becomes smarter. He becomes uh, uh, more aware and more smart. And if you uh, take Calvin's base stats of six sanity and six horror, and you take him up to the five and five level, where he has five damage on him, he has five horror on him, now you're playing with five stats all the way across the board. And uh, as we know, some of the very best cards in the game give you a base set, a base stat of five for a limited amount of time, maybe one test or one turn. Right, right. Five is sort of the, the litmus test for, wow, that's a really good place to be. So Calvin at his like most beat up is better than most investigators in the game base stat wise. So the question is, how do you leverage that 
to be able to do something helpful for your team. Right. And we briefly mentioned his deck building options, right? Right, which were survivor cards. He also could play spirit cards up to level three, which is most spirit cards. And then he could play neutral cards all the way up to level five, which is important for him because there's some neutral cards that are key for him as you level him up, I, I think. And then he has his basic weakness, which is, you know, in any other investigator would be pretty much terrible. Uh, but it, it forces you to take a trauma, either a mental or a physical trauma, uh, right then in the middle of the game. Just boom. There it is. And, uh, and then also a damage or a horror, depending on which one you, you pick. Mm -hmm. Uh, and his signature asset gives you essentially a little temporary health and sanity pool of two and two that you can assign direct damage to, which is pretty unusual for, uh, for any sort of non investigator card to be able to assign direct damage or horror. Uh, in fact, I don't think there's very many other cards in the game at all that allow you to do that. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. So he has this uh, until the end of time, which is his signature asset that uh, allows him to soak up damage and horror as though it was on his character card, which allows you to ride that knife edge a little bit more. I think it's probably one of the most important investigator cards, uh, uh, signature assets for a character to get early in a game. You know, it, you look at... You look at people like Wendy, you know, she doesn't want her amulet early. You know, you look at uh, Jenny, she really doesn't want her guns early. But Calvin really wants his until the end of time early so that he can kind of know that he has that little bit of extra leeway to go nuts. And I think that's what Calvin does is he just goes nuts. Yeah, definitely. He runs runs through trip wires uh you know tackles mo tackles monsters by the by the deck. yeah it's it's definitely funny because so early both early in the campaign and earlier in individual scenarios calvin is yeah he's running headlong trying to take damage and horror right <laughs> but then once he gets yep. to a certain point then he suddenly yep. has to play a lot more cautiously at least depending on whether he has protective stuff out and things like that yeah i mean one of the great one of the fun things to do with calvin especially early on at level zero because you do start with zero, right. zeros across everything. As the campaign goes along, if you're playing him in a campaign and not standalone, which by the way, Calvin, not a great <laughs> choice for standalone. The uh, uh, but if you're playing him in a campaign, by the time you hit the fifth or sixth scenario, you know his starting stats are typically somewhere around a, like a Jenny level, threes across the board. You know he's he's not bad uh, right off the bat. It's it's worth mentioning too that you ha you do have to kind of be careful about how much trauma you take and how many times you're going to draw your your uh, signature weakness just because mm -hmm. I think regardless of whether you have you know tarot cards and allies and stuff to soak up some damage if you ever have an amount of trauma on you that's equal to the amount of health or sanity on your investigator card I think you're just immediately dead right right yeah you're like double dead so so you don't want to like immediately get five of each trauma in like the second scenario or something because then as soon as you draw your weakness you're in a lot of trouble yep that's right. But you can definitely um, uh, take one for the team, you know, a number of times. <laughs> and, and in a lot of ways, he, he's almost more heroic than any other character in the game. That is definitely true. He has access to a lot of interesting cards via the spirit uh, cards that do that, uh -huh. those kinds of things. It's true. So, yeah, I can you know, see that. Where everybody's like, thank God for Calvin. Hooray! I think it depends <laughs> on your definition of heroism. You know, I think I think to some people, drawing a lot of cards could be considered heroic. You know, or, oh sure. Uh, you know, just just as an example, but you but know. he can do that. Uh, kind of, yeah. Calvin has access to the you know this, uh, I think a similar amount of card draw to any survivor. You know, given that he has the the same pool that ever they all have. But I don't I don't ever really think of Calvin as much of a drawing character. Although I guess you got drawing drawing thin. You know, is can be really good in Calvin, just like it is in anybody. Yeah, for sure.
so yeah, now that we're starting to talk about individual cards, maybe let's just go ahead and, and start making this deck. Oh yeah, sure. Good idea. So we have, we, we have kind of, uh, when we've done this in the past, it's been with sort of more inexperienced people making the deck and we were maybe more playing the role of like, um, tutors or like helpers in this case you know you're very familiar with calvin and how to make a good calvin deck so we just kind of want to maybe help our listeners along so before we start picking individual cards do you know for this specific calvin deck you mentioned earlier that calvin can fill multiple roles kind of and you can go in a lot of different directions with him Mm -hmm. do you know what type of calvin deck you want to make today uh, in terms of the number of players in the group and what sort of role you might want to fill any any ideas about that well, I definitely don't want to make a solo Calvin deck because that's a whole different ball game from what I'm <laughs> from what I'm experienced with. And if you guys really want to make a solo Calvin deck, I'm in for the experiment. But the uh I think of Calvin as being, you know, much better in two or more. So I don't think he builds too differently for two, three, or four players. I think he builds about the same for those. But uh a solo's a different beast. Alright, let's do multiplayer then. In, yeah, no, that's, that's totally fine. And, and in terms of, um, you know, usually we think of characters as either being like mostly focused on clues, mostly focused on dealing with enemies, or kind of like a split between them. Do you usually build Calvin as kind of like a flexible sort of split character where he can do both? Or do you ever build him as sort of more in one direction than the other? Uh, yes, I usually build Calvin uh, as a fighter more than as an investigator. Okay. Although I think you could do, you could do either one. I mean, uh, survivors are certainly very good at both. I definitely don't uh, kit him out to only be uh, a fighter, but uh, there's more of that going on in his decks for me than mm-hmm. than investigation, for sure. Cool. So is that our plan for today? Is we're going to make a like sort of multiplayer fighter Calvin? Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Okay, awesome. That sounds really cool. Perfect. All right, so, so Tim, what are the kind of uh, core cards that we want to make Calvin most effective? Like what are the cards that are going to be most critical to him being able to accomplish what we want to accomplish? What are like the, the cards that the rest of the deck is sort of built around if, if any? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's definitely cards uh, that are, I think are critical for Calvin. So the first thing for Calvin is you want a way to voluntarily take some damage in horror. So you're not completely reliant on the scenario, dishing it out to you. Interesting. Okay. I think a mistake right off the bat with Calvin is that people just pack all a bunch of soak, almost like they're building Tommy or something like that, where you're just building in, you know, assets with lots of, you know, damage and horror soak so that you don't die. But the problem is if you don't get damaged and you use all the soak, you're not going to do anything. You're just going to walk around. And yeah, so like, for instance, we've just seen the first scenario in the Dreaming campaign in Dream Eaters, there's no encounter cards for the first section of it, right? So for instance, mm-hmm. in that scenario, Calvin has no way to take damage and horror and stuff. Right. So you kind of need a way to do that to yourself. A trick that I tend to do with Calvin a lot uh, is I will engage the very first monster that shows up on the board with Calvin, even no matter who he got drawn by. <laughs> and then I'll just go about my business. Uh, and just, you know, you know, I'll just start investigating at zero and the monster's just wailing on me while I'm going about the business of, uh, doing other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, 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 monster, I'll get back to you. Cause you can, you can go for a, a turn or two with just getting hit by attacks of opportunity from a basic m- monster just to get Calvin ready to roll. It kind of almost kills the monster, if you will, because it takes it away from everybody else that's playing. But uh, it uh, is helping you bulk up a little bit. Yeah. Ideally, something that, de- you know, maybe something that deals one damage and one horror, and you just kind of let it ride for a turn. And then you're going to take, let's say, maybe two or three actions worth of uh, attacks of opportunity, plus then the, the enemy phase, you take one more. Now you're at fours across the board, and you're set and ready to roll. 
So, so in terms of, so that, that sounds like a pretty good strategy. In terms of cards in your deck, though, are there also cards that you play that either help you get enemies on you or that help you if there are no enemies still be able to take some damage in horror? Yeah, let me, let me highlight one right here on the, uh, my screen. Uh, Meat Cleaver. <laughs> oh, that's a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. Take, take some horror. Yeah. So, yeah, so Meat Cleaver allows you to voluntarily take horror. And if you defeat an enemy with the attack, you may heal one horror. But you don't have to. Hmm. Most people do. But you right. have not Calvin. <laughs> but not Calvin. Uh, and uh, also, Calvin, you know, you're trying to get, if you get him to the three or fewer remaining sanity level so that the meat cleaver gives you plus two to attack, he can quickly get up to five or six attack without a whole lot of effort. So meat cleaver, I think, is a really good place to start with Calvin for, for fight sake. Also, he doesn't tend to have a lot of money uh, money needs off the bat. Like, he doesn't tend to have a lot of cards that he has to play that are expensive. So you can also uh, go with something something like fire axe mm-hmm. as a okay yeah as a good weapon for him. So that makes a lot of sense because because yeah because normally we find that if you're making like a fighter character, usually you want something on the order of like four or five weapons at least uh, mm-hmm. to be able to reliably find one early. So yeah, you've got two fire axes, you've got two meat cleavers, and the meat cleaver is as you said especially good because it's both a weapon and a way to take horror. Right. So that's mm-hmm. helps, exactly. helps Calvin yeah. be Calvin. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, if you get in too deep, you can heal horror with it. You can say, you know, okay, I'm going to use this to back off a little bit. Right, right. And early in a scenario, I think early in a scenario, you want to take horror more than you want to take damage. Because horror is what allows you to investigate. Right. And typically early in a scenario, the, the pressure is on your investigation more than it is on your ability to fight. And uh, so in terms of being able to, you know... Obviously, we're talking about being able to both get clues and fight, but leaning a little bit towards fight. Are there other cards mm-hmm. that you'd want to put in this deck that would help Calvin be able to defeat enemies or deal with enemies besides just weapons? Not really. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I essentially, uh, I essentially will once you know once you get Calvin up to four or five skill, you can just start punching stuff. You don't really even need weapons. You, you know, j- obviously, it's more efficient to be able to do uh, weapons, but. You know, I I don't tend to play much other than weapons for him to deal damage. At least not at level zero. So what about what about the spirit cards? Are there any like specific, special like kind of spicy things that only Calvin can take that you would recommend? Uh, yeah. So not to deal not to deal damage. Uh, although okay. as, at a higher level, uh, at a higher level, yes. But at level zero, no. But I think Calvin's just kind of basic spirit card that he's going to definitely want to take is Ward of Protection. It's a spirit card. It's awesome. Oh, yes. You can't screw up taking water protection. And it even helps you take horror. Yes, so. and it, takes, it allows you to take a horror also. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. For instance, suppose you suppose you draw some encounter card that unhelpfully for Calvin doesn't do damage or horror, that just like makes you mm-hmm. lose actions or something. Who needs that? Just ward it and take a horror instead, and you mm-hmm. know, there you go. I also like Waylay with Calvin. I typically will run one copy of Waylay. Sure, sure. Uh, as an event, because uh, so uh, I'll read Waylay here for anybody who doesn't know that one. Uh, it uh, it has two agility icons, which is also nice. It costs three, which for a lot of investigators is pretty expensive. But Calvin doesn't have a lot to spend money on, and it allows you to just automatically defeat an enemy, provided that you succeeded at at an evade on an exhausted enemy. So evade him, waylay him, gone. Are there enough? Are, are there enough enemies out there that have enough health or are difficult enough to fight that you'd want to spend two actions evading and then waylaying them over just hitting them twice with a meat cleaver or something? Though uh, I, I think of waylay more as like in, if you don't have your meat cleaver or if you don't have your fire axe, it's just like another a, another oh, option. kind of like that fifth 
weapon. And it does also commit for double agility if you need to commit agility to something too. And there are scenarios where, a lot of scenarios actually, where you have things like the Night Gaunts, uh, where, you know, they have four health and uh, waylay can go a long way. You know, the, the I think it's the Hunting Night Gaunts that only have one evade, uh, and they double the negative value on the evade uh, modifier that you draw. But the waylay tests their, the waylay tests their evade value, not that ability. So it just tests it just tests against one. That's very good. I know that there are a whole bunch of other like big kind of scary things that you would expect to be elite, but aren't. <laughs> and it's really good for those. There's like Apex Stranglevine from Forgotten Age. There's a whole bunch of weird yeah. stuff. Conglomeration of spheres. Yeah, exactly. The guy down in the depths of Yoth. Uh, I can't think of his name, but he's like the rock monster that comes out in the depths of Yoth that has oh, six yeah. health, I think. Oh, yes, yes. He only he only has two evade. I don't remember his name. That kind of stuff. I think the spaghetti monster is also from Before the Black Throne, the dancers. That's another yes. good mm. waylay target. Yeah. The, the dancers are super good for that, yeah. So we've got a waylay in there. That's, that's pr- probably like a pretty solid fifth weapon then. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think of it. So, so far I see five cards that are mostly intended for fighting things, and then two of mm-hmm. them, the meat cleaver, also help you take damage. And then the mm-hmm. wards help you both avoid treacheries that you don't want and take additional horror. What are some other cards that you could put in to help you build up Calvin's damage and horror on him? Or do you not need cards because you find that you can just kind of, you know, usually find an enemy to to do that for you? Yeah, you can usually. Uh, that's all I typically run as far as just like mm-hmm. uh, um, intentionally uh, damaging myself until I get up to a higher level deck with Calvin. And then you can start playing around a little bit. Okay. Okay. So like what other cards that work specifically with Calvin mostly? Do you usually put in your Calvin decks? Do you do things like Rise of the Occasion or anything that kind of works uniquely with him? Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, so anything for, for Calvin, anything that targets off of his base stats being low or anything that, uh, that adds value to his base stats are going to be really good. So a couple cards like a Fight or Flight is a really good card for Calvin because it gives you plus X of strength and agility where X is the amount of horror on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's over and above whatever you already are at. So right. sure, the, sure. it kind of doubles down on the damage and the damage and horror that you've taken a little bit. And so fight or flight can be, you know, an almost an automatic three damage because you can get yourself easily up into the seven or eight range for a test with fight or flight. That That's also one where even though it's already a red card and Calvin could already play it, they helpfully made it a spirit just to make it extremely clear, <laughs> like a giant right. glowing sign saying, this is a Calvin card. Like, yeah, for real. It's yeah, pretty yeah. cool because it goes along with your, I guess, insight to where kind of early on you said that it's more important to take the horror. And then mm-hmm. um, so you have that as a base. And while you're not necessarily good at fighting, if you did need to, you could fight or flight, get up to that important four so you can swing your meat cleaver at a, at a monster and kill them. Yep, that's exactly right. And then, um, you know, I've also played Calvin as a desperate Calvin because you can quickly get into desperate range with his low sanity. Oh, sure, sure. And then you can run. That makes me cleaver even better. And then you can do things like run run Yautel and the desperate skills and go with a kind of like, wow, all of a sudden Calvin's stats are way better than I remember them being (laughs) sort of Calvin. And uh, do something like a cornered Yautel desperate build. Uh, where you're dumping stuff on purpose to get plus two, and then you all of a sudden you have a desperate card at the top of your discard pile, and then you're using Yautel to take advantage of that. But I will mention, though I know we're not talking about a leveled up Calvin deck, there is a new card from the Dream Eaters that is happens to be really good for Calvin, and I haven't had a chance to play with it yet other than one time, and that is um, 
I always want to say Mrs. Norris. I know that's not right. <laughs> uh, talking about the cats? cat general. Yes, Miss Doyle. Miss Doyle, that's it. Mrs. Norris was Filch's cat in yes. Harry Potter. I just can't, <laughs> sure I can, was. Right. I, can, I can never get that out of my head. We'll have to wait for the Harry Potter LCG for that one. <laughs> and Ooh. so, yes, I think that uh, – and Calvin, by the way, is nearly headless Nick. Essentially, that's what he is. <laughs> And do you find that – is that a card where – is it sort of better for early Calvin in the first couple scenarios and then by later in the campaign, maybe you have got enough trauma that his base stats are high enough you don't really need it as much anymore? Or do you find that it's useful throughout the whole campaign? You, are you talking about, about Miss Doyle? Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, because Miss Doyle sets your base stat to five. Uh, all the oh, cats set your base stat to five. <laughs> you and then the it's Calvin plus goes. whatever trauma you've taken. So <laughs> – it's sort of like a it's sort of like a, a lock picks for Calvin essentially. With any cat, you're looking at late, you know mid late scenario. You're looking at a base stat of eight or nine to do whatever mm-hmm. you're doing. Isn't there an event that does that for three mm-hmm. trial by fire? Yes, there trial is. by fire. Trial right? by fire is what it's called. So yes. is that also a Calvin? Yes, I think it is. Uh, the um, it costs three. It's fast. It's sort of it sort of has falls in the same line as fight or flight, and I think it might even be an either or situation where you you might take trial by fire it's just the fight or flight is so much cheaper i do like trial by fire though because it i mean because it's fast and it works for any of your skills mm-hmm. i think that is but you're right that it also costs a lot of money yeah and calvin doesn't have a lot of pull on his resources early but there is a little bit especially if you're running fire axe you know you don't want to spend all your cash all the time because you got to be able to pump fire axe with calvin you can't just like let it ride with zero fight so I yeah I think trial by fire is a really that, I haven't ever tried that with Calvin because it's come out somewhat recently and I haven't played Calvin in about mm, six months so it is a spirit <laughs> <laughs> yes it's another one of these red cards that they're also a spirit yeah you know? yeah yeah so I think that's worth putting in uh, I think maybe we take maybe we do a um, a one of a trial by fire and a one of a fight or flight and then you can as things go you might want to like say oh, I kind of like this one over that one. Yeah, yeah, I tend to drop fight or flight later in the in the campaign for things like Devil's Luck or uh, uh, Test of Will instead of fight or flight. But we're talking about level zero right now, so exactly, yeah. So, what are some other level zero cards that would really fill out Calvin that that benefit from his deficit of being at zero right away? For the benefit from his zeros, rise to the occasion would be that. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, take and take heart. I think both of those two are are big. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Would you play any other of the kind of uh, what we sometimes call the fail package of cards that kind of <laughs> benefit you for failing tests? Like, uh, obviously, drawing thin now is tabooed. I don't know if you play with the taboo list or not, but that's, you know, mm-hmm. no, you can no longer put it in at level zero if you're playing with the taboo list, but you could play, for instance, like Rabbit's Foot or something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, in fact, that's a, it's very prescient that you said that because that's exactly what I did. So I used to run drawing thin, but I do always play taboo. So I um I have taken that out of Calvin and I have substituted in Rabbit's Foot. Mm. Cool. Uh, especially at level, at level zero. Would you still upgrade into Drawing Thin though? I might. Uh, it's really strong. It would kind of depend on how much XP I'm getting. It just seems like it's so excellent for just about anybody that can take it, but especially good for Calvin because it sometimes you really want to fail tests, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and sometimes you know wh- whether you want to or not, you're just going to. You know the uh, right, <laughs> especially at the beginning. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you're with Calvin, it's really true that you're intending to, to fail tests, you know, because the whole goal of this is to try to get yourself to the point where you don't even need to really worry about tests too much. So yeah, I think that's, uh, I think Rabbit's Foot is really, is really good. It helps him get to his, uh, until the end of time a little faster. So yeah, definitely. 
that combined with Take Heart are usually enough draw to get through and also kind of gives you a little more resources. Mm -hmm, For sure. And I think him over any of the other survivors has the best chance at failing. (laughs) (laughs) It's very true. And then, of course, like I like to run with him the suite of uh, zero cost assets that soak. So uh, Cherish Keepsake and Leather Coat. They're just good. Get, you know, just in case you get in a little bit too much hot water, you can always opt to offset the damage there. Yeah. You can always like play a Cherish Keepsake, let it get used up when you take horror if you don't want to take horror, and then replace it with Rabbit's Foot or something like that. Right. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, do you play in, in Calvin? Obviously, Calvin has his own sort of suite of, uh, you know, special custom Calvin cards for passing tests, but there are also sort of general purpose cards like Unexpected Courage and Lucky that just about anybody who mm-hmm. can put them in their deck probably would play them. Do you play cards like that too, or do you find that Calvin has like custom options that are stronger? I play Lucky. I, I mean, I just think it's really great. I mean, Lucky's just, it's hard to talk me out of Lucky for any survivor investigator. I just, yeah. It, how many times do you end a game with Lucky in your hand? It just, you know, it's going to get played. It's really good. Uh, I think that you don't ever draw lucky and go, ah, shoot, that's not what I wanted. It's a great thing to draw. Um, so yeah, I do play two luckies. I sometimes, I will definitely level out of them. But. Do you also run like live and learn? Uh, just because he likes to fail the test first uh, <laughs> before maybe passing it. I never have. I've always run lucky. Although I think that, I think you could certainly try running, running live and, live and learn. The problem is that with Calvin, especially early on in the scenario, the plus two skill value is probably going to make you fail also. So <laughs> Sure, sure. It just makes you fail twice. Ah, but but yeah. then you'd get to fail. Yeah, exactly. Why fail once when you can fail twice? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could live and learn into a lucky, but then at that point, you know, you're just essentially throwing away cards. Yeah. It, yeah I guess for much. a really important test, maybe. And uh, would you play Unexpected Courage as well, or, or would you not include that in a Calvin deck? I think of that one as sort of as a deck space thing. If I've got a couple cards left to be able to like, hey, I'm not sure what I want to put in at level zero, I think Unexpected Courage is a, a good thing to add. But uh, I think Rise to the Occasion is sort of Calvin's Unexpected Courage. I think that's kind of true for Calvin. I, I do think that with Courage, you have, if this is a multiplayer game, it is really nice to have it as something that you can commit mm-hmm. to whoever needs it if they're on your space. Mm-hmm. That's very true. But if you don't have room for it, then you don't have room for it. One other category of cards that we usually think about including, um, so cards that are maybe sort of like single use things that can help you do something that you might not otherwise be able to do or deal with some kind of rare but disastrous situation that you want to kind of watch out for. You've already mm-hmm. got some of these like word of protection, but are there any other cards along this line, kind of like emergency cards that you might put into your deck? Um, I always start with Perseverance. I always start with two Perseverance <laughs> for Calvin. I was going to ask about that. It's just a great card. And when it, when you read the phrase, play when you are assigned a damage and or horror that would defeat you, I mean, <laughs> that's going to happen. That's like everything. That's like everything. At some that's point like, Calvin, that's right? like everything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so that's the card that if Calvin, for some reason, doesn't want to die and take trauma, uh, it can save you from that. Or it can just commit for double uh, willpower, which is also pretty strong. Yeah, absolutely. I did learn recently that Perseverance does not help you with Curse of Yig if you're already sitting at five damage <laughs> on Calvin. Oh, how, how how did you how did you learn that, Ben? Uh, I want to hear uh, the story. <laughs> I started very recently trying to play Calvin through the Forgotten Age. I immediately went to like maximum Calvin of like five and five because I had uh, until the end of timeout, and then I uh, drew Curse of Yig. And I was like, uh, and I had Perseverance in my hand. I was like, uh, I'll be fine. Nothing can kill me. Nothing can kill me. <laughs> Wow. Because it reduced your maximum health threshold, right? Because it reduced of... your maximum health right. to, to five. To right. Like, uh, uh. I had a ward, though, but then I was scared the rest of the game. <laughs> oh. 
I think perseverance obviously is good for any investigator, but Calvin tries to ride that line of almost dying more than anybody else. So, right. uh, you know, if you're, if you're doing Calvin right, you're, <laughs> that's funny. Oh. If you're playing Calvin correctly, you're going to, uh, use perseverance. You're probably never going to commit it because you want to be sitting right there and like say, well, I'm going to plan on using perseverance for when this happens. Sure. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's, oh, it's important to point out that I guess perseverance triggers when you would take damage, not necessarily like when you have to take it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's while you're sitting at one and one. But you can still have like a leather coat. You could have like your good buddy Pete Sylvester hanging out to take that damage for you. But if at all you you could be be defeated, mm-hmm. you could use the the perseverance on it, right? Yes, that's right. Perfect. So I think uh, so. I think we're still we're still looking for more cards to fill out this deck. So a couple of other types of cards that we sometimes include. Are there any cards that you might put in based on the, the campaign that you'd be running? Like, are there some cards that you might think, well, in Circle Undone, I would definitely want this card, or in The Forgotten Age, I would mm-hmm. definitely want this card? Anything like that? You know, honestly, for most investigators, the answer to that is yes. But the uh, I, I'm trying to think of an example of that with Calvin. Um, I think that for Circle Undone, you want to definitely pack more horror uh, soak, more horror help uh, yeah. than you do damage help, and then vice versa for The Forgotten Age. Calvin, I think, is much more likely to die to damage in Forgotten Age and in horror uh, in Circle Undone. And then, of course, like for Carcosa, you know, you probably want to throw in a couple of fine clothes because it does double duty for you in that it's both soak and it's also reduction on your parlay tests. Which there's a lot of. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. definitely. I also, I noticed that uh, you're not using the ally slot yet. Is that something that, are there any level zero allies that you'd want to take? Or are you waiting for like uh, allies that cost XP? So I'm definitely waiting for allies that cost XP, uh, but there are level zero allies I take for Calva because I think, you know, why, you know, you don't want to just give up an ally slot. It's your best slot. So actually, I really like Madame Lebranche with Calvin uh, because she's low cost and she also has good soak. She's two and two for only two bucks. Interesting. Even over, uh, even over our our good our good athletic buddy Peter Sylvester, one of the most one of the most popular survivor allies. <laughs> so I usually will take them both. Uh, although I will often not take Peter until I take the leveled up Peter. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, yeah, sure. That's yeah, that's that's, that's probably a good call too. He gives it a lot of great stats, and then also he just you almost never die from horror. I'd assume after you get him. <laughs> There's also a little bit more competition for Peter, where other people often want to take him. There's probably going to be less competition for Madeline Branch. Yeah, and and I think too, if you decide to play like the Yautel version of Calvin, where you're playing the desperate Calvin, then Moonstone is a really good substitute for Peter Sylvester. Moonstone just just recently came out, and you it's uh it gives you the same boosts as level two Peter Sylvester, but you can't play it from your hand, so you have to play it as you discard it. Sure. So sure. uh, you need some sort of a built-in way of discarding, which Calvin doesn't come with. So things like, you know, you're going to build that in. If you build with Yautel, Yautel lets you discard. So Right, right. And you've also cornered if you're going there, right? That's right. Perfect. Wow, interesting. Yeah. And then one one last kind of category of cards. Are there any cards that you'd put in a Calvin deck that are sort of primarily aimed not just at helping uh, yourself, maybe at uh, helping the other people in your group, like rescuing them from things or giving them resources or mm-hmm. something like that? Are there any kind of good survivor cards that work along those lines? Uh, there's good, there's a good, uh, guardian card that is a spirit traded card, uh, delay the inevitable. Oh, uh-huh. that is a spirit card in guardian. So, uh, delay the inevitable is allows you to attach to an, an investigator at your location. It does not have to be you. 
And then it lets you just do a flat out cancel of everything. One shot of damage and horror just dealt. And then you can also pay, pay to keep it. So, uh, which Calvin can sometimes do. Would you also, uh, so just comparing it to another guardian spirit card that does, has kind of a similar effect, Solemn Vow, would you consider Solemn Vow instead, or do you like Delay the Inevitable more? No, I would totally consider Solemn Vow. I haven't played with it yet. It's somewhat new. It came out in Dream Eaters. But when it came out, I said, oh yeah, that's a Calvin card for sure. <laughs> yeah, we, we said the same. <laughs> I don't think it's a two player Calvin card. I, I don't know. Yeah. The, uh, the two willpower icons are really nice. So, I don't see, you know, it's myriad, so you can run three copies, but I don't know that Calvin has three spot slots in his deck for it. Yeah. When I when I played it in Carolyn, we were in a four-player game, so, like, potentially I could have used as many as three of them, but I found that two was, like, the right number to play. Maybe it's, like, one minus the number of other players besides yourself, or is there that number minus one? Yeah, I think something like that. I think that it's a really good card for Calvin, because it lets you control a little bit where you're at with damage and horror. Another way to like voluntarily take damage and horror and also like help the team out a little bit. Yeah. And I guess the difference is delay the inevitable can also rescue yourself from like a sudden thing that's about to kill you. Solemn Vow yeah. doesn't really do that. But the nice thing about it is it doesn't cost money. It has two will icons on it. So they kind of each have their own advantages. Mm-hmm. And I think too that, you know, the more you know the campaign that you're playing, the more, the better delay the inevitable is because you can. Uh, the more you know what the inevitable is going to be, the better you can leverage it and say, this is the turn I need to play it. Because, you know, you can just say, um, okay, well, this this turn we're going to go ahead and advance the agenda, and I know that there's going to be a test that's going to deal some damage or horror. Calvin will just take it, and then I'll delay the inevitable on it. If, but if you're going into a scenario that you've never played before, you don't exactly know when to play that. So a delay the inevitable benefits experience, I think, with a scenario. There's a pair of cards that I would never think of using on anybody but Calvin, and the only probably like early <laughs> campaign. I'm of course talking about I'll See You in Hell and uh, mm-hmm. Ghastly Revelation. Do you ever stick those in your Calvin decks? Uh, if people don't know, those are cards that make you do something awesome, but then you get defeated. <laughs> 100% yes. Uh, one of each, I think. Uh, <laughs> really? So, oh, man. Uh, I'm going to tell you my I See You in Hell story with Calvin. Uh, I Ooh, just never made it on one, one of my podcast episodes. Not exclusive. Have you, uh, have you guys played um, Threads of Fate uh, with any sort of regularity? You know, are you familiar with how Threads of Fate works? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, yes. You have, you're, you have three act decks. And so each of the right. act decks has a, has a little story that you're trying to complete. You're trying to rescue Alejandro, you're trying to, to find Ixtaka, and you're trying to get the Relic of Ages, or the three things that you're trying to do. Right, right. So the goal is, hopefully, by the end of that scenario, that you've completed one, two, maybe three, if you do really well at it. So my story with Calvin is that I was able to simultaneously complete all three acts with a single I'll See You in Hell. <laughs> <laughs> no way! Yeah, no it was way. amazing. That is kind of what you want to do, because for every one of those that you've completed, the stuff gets worse and like the skull gets scarier or right. something. Mm-hmm. Right. So we do usually try to get all of them almost finished and then like finish them all in the same turn. Yep, that's exactly what happened. So I just happened to get, in that particular game... The, the story led me to where I was going to have to kill monsters for all three of the stories. Right. And two of the monsters were stuck down in the cave. Uh, though I can't remember the name of it, but it's a black cave. The black cave, cave I, think. I think. Yeah. And so there's two of them that are down in there and you have to go down in and kill them in the black cave. And so I ended up drawing the night gaunts that were carrying Alejandro <laughs> and dragging them into the cave along with the guys that were down in the cave, the cultists that were down in the cave already. And then um, the relic one was being held by uh, Harlan Ernstone, I think, and the enemy version of that. 
And so I dragged him down into the cave as well. And then I just blew up in the cave and everybody died. <laughs> that is so and I great. Got off. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. That's, that's the Calvin dynamite substitute, I guess. Yeah, he yeah. is the dynamite. Right. There you go. But then, but then he gets up and, and walks out of the cave all like, you know, yep. all great for the next scenario. That's one of those moments, I think, in Arkham Horror that really define, you know, certain investigators and things that only, only Calvin could do that, you know? Yeah, I love it. And so, yeah, I picture him like coming out of the cave with like a toothpick and he's like just picking something out of his teeth, you know, like he's <laughs> just completely, completely unfazed by the whole event. So I think if you stick uh, one each of those in this deck we're building here, I think that'll put us right at 30 cards. Mm-hmm. Is there any other cards that we've forgotten about? Uh, let me think about that, because I've only got 28 right now. I do kind of want to ask if uh, this isn't really very much of a Calvin card, but you're so close to having a five-color uh, Calvin deck here with at least one card of each class, but you don't have any uh, rogue cards, and I think there's exactly one rogue spirit card. <laughs> I don't suppose you'd be interested in playing I'm out of here. You? That's kind of the that, that's kind of the opposite of what Calvin wants to do, unfortunately. Calvin does not want to leave a scenario without dying. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's for Calvin. Calvin does leave scenarios, but that's not that way. Yeah, like you don't want to waste a perfectly good trauma that's just sitting there <laughs> waiting for you to collect it, right? So. That's exactly right. It's a t- total waste with Calvin. So the dream, the dream of a five color Calvin deck is going to have to wait until they print a green spirit that makes a little bit more sense. But that's that's okay. We'll we'll stay tuned for that. Now I think you could probably say it would be not a terrible idea for Calvin to throw in a a couple resourcefuls. We didn't talk about resourceful, but in general, Survivor that's a great card. So you can resourceful back your cherished keepsakes and and uh, your leather coats. You can get back your perseverances when you've already burned through those. It lets you take heart a couple times more. I think resourceful is pretty great. I'm not sure what you cut for it at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, like, would you play that over like a second Unexpected Courage, for instance, or something like that? Yeah, maybe. I'd probably maybe even take one, maybe one Peter Sylvester and one Unexpected Courage out because I'm not planning on keeping Peter Sylvester beyond a couple scenarios anyway. So my question for you is... I, I had Resourceful kind of on the radar as something that I was thinking about, well, that might might go into a Calvin deck. I've often found, just from playing even just a few like scenarios with, with the card Scavenging, which is kind of a very, mm-hmm. very close sister card, has done maybe more work for me than Resourceful had. I never really gave Resourceful too, too much of a chance, but Scavenging just feels amazing in the way that if it gets later into the game, uh, you know, the, the card just becomes exponentially better. My question for you, and maybe Ben, is are signature cards considered level zero cards? No, they are not. No. Okay. Okay. Because my I was like, recurring until the t- end of time would be pretty great. <laughs> but I don't think you can do that. Yeah, I tried to pull that trick with uh, bringing Becky back as well, and you can't do that. Gotcha. Yeah, I think Darn. in the original core set they were marked as little zero cards, but then they had to they added that, and in second printings they are not anymore. Oh man! Yeah, and in fact the way that they're printed is uh, they have like in the top corner it looks a little different. Um, it doesn't have the little uh, the pips. I don't know what you call it. Pips. Yeah, even it, it, yeah, it doesn't. It yeah. has like a little like a white moon that blanks out all the pips. Yeah. So. We're missing one uh I'll see you in hell in the deck as as it stands now. And I guess at this point we're probably just kind of going to go a little bit over 30 and then kind of shave off what we feel we need to shave off. We've got everything I think that we talked about so far and we have 31 cards, right? So uh yes. Should we let's let's read just the list as it is now and then we can figure out what is the one special card that's not quite special enough to keep in this deck. Okay, so we have two Fire X and two Meat Cleaver as our uh as our hand slots. 
those are both one-handed, so they're not going to really get in each other's way. So that's fine. We've got two, two cherished keepsake and two rabbit's foot in the accessory slots. We have a leather coat on the body slot, two leather coats on the body slot. For allies, we have two Madame Lebranche and two Peter Sylvester. Events, we have I'll See You in Hell one time, because you can only go to hell once. One Fight or Flight, uh, one Ghastly Revelation, two Lucky, two Perseverance, one Trial by Fire, two Ward of Protection, one Waylay, one Resourceful for Skills, two Rise to the Occasion, and two Take Heart. And also under Other, we have a Solemn Vow. Okay. So I think there's definitely some cuttable stuff there for sure. Yeah, I think maybe the is the easiest way to go to just pick some slot where you have sort of more things than you can actually have equipped mm-hmm. at a time and shave that down a little because that's that's like kind of a simple way to do it. What's jumping out at me there is maybe maybe one of the rabbit's feet or maybe one of the allies because you don't have you know you can only play one of them at a time. Although Madame Lebranche is largely there for soak. I guess my thought here was that you have both two cherished keepsakes and two Peter Sylvester's. Mm-hmm. who might be serving the same purpose. Yeah, it's a great point. But I'm not sure if that's like what Calvin needs to uh sustain his his dangerous lifestyle, you know, in in the uh in each each scenario. It sounded like you were more geared towards the rabbit's foot? Yeah, I think you only need one rabbit's foot. I suppose you could play two uh if you played a uh... relic hunter. The relic hunter, yeah. thank you. I I never <laughs> play that card. Uh so yeah, and you know, you're you're trying to cycle through the cherished keepsakes, but you're not trying to cycle through the rabbit's foots. Right. So when you get a rabbit's foot in play, you're kind of like, I, you know, I hate to lose this. Whereas Cherish Keepsake, it's there to be lost. It's true. Although I would say that rabbit's foot is an excellent card to have early in the game because it's going to yes. draw you a lot of cards. Mm-hmm. Cherish Keepsake, you don't really need until you have enough horror on you that you're actually in some danger. Yeah, I think you've taught me into it. I, I always, uh, I, I pretty much always get rid of Cherish Keepsake pretty early in the level ups. Especially if you're getting level two Peter, who's just a much better way to soak horror. Yep, that's right. right. I'll usually right. trade one out for the other, yeah. So I think we drop one Cherished Keepsake. I think that's very, very arguable for sure. That sounds pretty good. Cool. And now we've got a uh, we've got a 30-card level zero Calvin deck uh, ready ready to go, ready to jump into the into the fray, take some trauma, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just, just get in there and, and get those stats up. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I do want to throw out one more card that I've had some cool success with with Calvin, although I think this is a level two card. But we haven't talked about it yet. And in fact, it's a card that people don't really talk about very much. In fact, they talk about it so little that I'm blanking on the name of it. It's uh, On Your Own. So On Your Own is a survivor asset. It's a talent, and it has it's a 3XP talent. So it's like way up there in the costs for survivors. But it allows you to, if you don't have an asset, it allows you to then dis- discount the costs of events by two. So you can play on your own plus fire axe and really kind of like uh, save money that way and then just not run an ally. Yeah, that is true. Especially, I mean, survivors do often have a lot of uh, events that cost a couple of a couple of resources. I guess it would really depend on the specific Calvin deck. Like what is the kind of the average cost of your events? And do you think you're going to have enough money to play them? Mm-hmm. You'd kind of like decide based on that, I guess, right? I think if you want to play an event-based Calvin, you know, because there are some really good like higher level events for Calvin. Uh, one of my favorites is Blood Eclipse. That could be really nice uh, to be able to play with Calvin. That's another card that people don't play very often. And so I'm always a sucker for cards that people don't play very often. <laughs> but Blood Eclipse says right off the bat, as an additional cost to play Blood Eclipse, take up to three damage. <laughs> Calvin is like, Calvin's like, I'm listening. He's like, I'm in, on. I'm in. <laughs> uh, and that's not three direct damage either. That's just three damage. Right. 
So he can even soak it or he can prevent it or whatever. Right. And now you have the, the immortal combo, Peter Sylvester and uh, Jessica Hyde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Jessica Hyde's definitely exciting for Calvin as well. Although I, I think maybe a question for Rules Master Ben. I think that if you use Blood Eclipse, take some damage, and then you cancel it with something like a Perseverance, I think that you then didn't actually take yeah, the you, damage. You can't cancel stuff that's like part of the cost. So you wouldn't be able to cancel it. But the, the, for Blood Eclipse, the, it's not actually the cost that is the, that taking the, oh yeah, it is the cost. Yeah, you're right, it is. Hmm. I mean, it's okay as long as you have like a leather coat or a Jessica Hyde or something to get the damage on. You just just can't like cancel it. Yeah. So this was a spell that you upgraded really early on in your playthrough with Jim and Calvin. And I was kind of shocked by it because it's nothing that I, I didn't really have it on my radar except to do something hilarious with Mark where you get to draw a card <laughs> in addition. Yeah. But once you kind of explained why, because you want to kind of get off the ground with Calvin so fast, it, it actually kind of seems pretty great for, you know, once it's kind of switch over mode to from kind of doing spooky investigations to, all right, there's a lot of monsters out. I need to deal with this. If you have like a night gaunt or something on you, you just take three damage like shoot that sucker straight into hell and then you you know start start going ballistic on on all the uh Mm -hmm. start going calvin on the rest of the the monsters and things hanging out oftentimes if i get blood eclipse in my opening hand i'm not mulliganing it because i'm kind of thinking this is my first monster i encounter card so whatever monster i hit is dying to this spell yeah and that's sometimes even better than waylay right because because of that fact Mm -hmm. yeah it sort of like gives you like the yin and yang of that version but waylay doesn't allow you to take uh, damage to start with so what Blood Eclipse does is it makes your Waylay better. So when you play Blood Eclipse, then the next time you play Waylay, it's better. That's pretty great. So we've got a, a pretty solid level zero Calvin deck all set up. We also, we got to hear a little bit about some of the kind of good upgradable cards that, that you'd mm-hmm. spend your XP on. So yeah, definitely, definitely really cool. And we will, um, Tim, can we have you, uh, put this deck up on ArkhamDB and we'll like, uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes if anyone wants to see, see the cards for themselves. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. What are we going to call it? I'll call it... Uh, yeah, you said that you usually come up with uh, pun-based names for all of your decks, right? It's true, I do. I'm on the spot now. Are there any Calvin puns that you haven't already used? <laughs> they must have gone through the most obvious ones already by now, right? Uh, I haven't ever done Calvin and Hobbles. <laughs> oh. But are we playing a card that's Hobbles? Because <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's like missing a leg. Oh, boy. And he does have a cherished keepsake with him. <laughs> that makes that makes me roll my eyes a little bit, which is usually my reaction to puns, so that must mean it, it was a good pun. I haven't Perfect. tried that one yet, so let's let's do Calvin and Hobbles. Perfect. I think Hobbles is what he calls the cherished keepsake. It's like missing a leg from the last time he played I See You in Hell. <laughs> now we got that narrative going. Whenever we play Calvin from this time forward... And we have a keepsake. Its name is going to be Hobbles. So we're going to be, <laughs> yes. I'm going to be looking over the table at Ben and I'm going to say, hey, what are you doing with that Hobbles? Can I, can I steal that with my kleptomania? And Ben will scream at me. <laughs> that's, that's, no. That's Mr. Hobbles. That's my best you. friend. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mr. Potterson, yeah. And then he'll throw himself into some monsters with, uh, I'll see you in hell. Yeah. I kind of also, you know, I think the Cal- <laughs> Calvin, uh, the cartoon Calvin always I'm picturing him like careening down a hill on a sled, just having a casual conversation <laughs> with, with Hobbs, you know, with Hobbs, with, yeah. with like no regard for his own safety, you know, or spaceman spiffing it through canyons. And he's like, ah, I'm all right. I'm fine. Right. That's pretty good. I never made that connection before, but that's a, yep. That's, that's, a, that's pretty good. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get that deck up and uh, people can check it out. Definitely a, a good place to start. If you're thinking about trying out Calvin and you kind of uh, want a little bit of an assist with the, with the deck building side of it. Yeah. And I think too, you know, there was, as we were building that, there was a number of different ways, even with the level zeros that you could have gone by adding one more or one less. 
You know, we kind of waffled on fight or flight versus trial by fire. If you like one or the other, go with two of them versus the other one. You're probably going to be leveling up this stuff out of there anyway. I find that Calvin's, uh, even by like maybe 20 XP, his deck looks very different. Well, you've, you've definitely made us excited to, to get a Calvin in, in these groups in one of our playthroughs. Mm-hmm. Tim, thanks again for joining us today. It's been really, really a pleasure having you here and, and build the, uh, building this Calvin deck with us and, and showing us the ropes. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. I love it. <laughs> so to kind of wrap everything up, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Where, where can uh, listeners find you? So you can find me in two different places uh, as far as uh, the I've Got a Plan podcast. You can find me on SoundCloud, my audio podcast. Uh, if you look up Tim Paul, that's P-A-U-L, and I've Got a Plan. For some reason, there are seven or eight podcasts called I've Got a Plan, but they're like audio audiobooks not having anything <laughs> to do with anything. And uh, so if you do Tim Paul, I've Got a Plan, you can find me there. You can go to my Facebook, which is I've Got a Plan podcast, all one word. And I have links to my SoundCloud there and also to my YouTube channel where I do video uh, playthroughs as well. Hooray, YouTube. Hooray. I am uh, currently running a Mark and Lola campaign. Uh, we're about, uh, I think we're about two thirds of the way through Return to the Path to Carcosa. Awesome. That's pretty cool. That's wow. Yeah, Mark and Lola, those are, at least in the kind of uh, Miskatonic <laughs> University radio brain trust, those are definitely two investigators that are on opposite ends of the of, of, of the power curve, at least as far as we understand it. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Lola is outshining Mark in that campaign. She's doing really well. Wow. So. If that isn't reason enough to listen to it, I think, I don't know what would be. <laughs> I'm playing this Mark deck where I'm like uh, just trying to throw as many grenades as I possibly can. So that's a little bit of a Perfect. misguided goal in my life. But uh, that, that explains a little bit of it, yeah. <laughs> there's something good schadenfreude about hitting Lola with a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be even better with Calvin. And with that, listeners, what are your takes on this deck? What are your favorite Calvin-specific cards that are absolutely terrible for every other investigator? <laughs> Comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at comments at mur.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.